Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Hello there and happy Wednesday to you. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, now we're here in the middle of the week. We switch it up a little bit and uh, spend a little time talking DFS. And uh, so my guest today from DailyRoto.com, Mike Leone. Uh, good to have him back on the show and a very, very interesting slate tonight. I got tons of questions for Mike. He always comes up with uh, great, really thoughtful answers and great advice. Uh, so definitely stick around for that. That's all going to be coming up in the next segment. Uh, beforehand, we've got uh, all kinds of Cubs updates Uh just uh, really injury updates galore. Some uh, players coming back. A bunch of players in the last 24 hours going on the disabled list. We have some games in progress. We have a pitcher's duel going on in Miller Park, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, so and then we've got a uh, bunch of runs being scored with uh, Dallas Keuchel and Marco Estrada pitching. So, uh, you know, that's baseball for you. So take a look at that. We'll take a look back at yesterday's games, as we always do. Lineups, weather, all the usual great stuff here. So uh, I'm going to get on with it right now, uh, starting with those Cubs updates. Chris Bryant yesterday placed on the 10-day disabled list with a sore shoulder. Uh, Bryant uh, told the Chicago Sun-Times that his shoulder has not actually gotten worse, uh, but it just is a more serious issue than was initially thought. So still some chance there for a brief DL stay uh, and also another sign that uh, Bryant could be back very soon is that the team is not sending him for an MRI. Of course, that doesn't always work out. I feel like I'm always these uh, updates where I, I start out very optimistically, but then I have the but statement that follows it. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, it should be viewed with some skepticism, of course. But uh, so far, most of the signals are positive ones on that uh, Chris Bryant situation. We will know more Thursday tomorrow, that is, about whether or not you Darvish will be pitching for the Cubs this weekend. It's been a roller coaster ride in terms of his updates. Just about to come off the DL. No, he's gonna not going to you know, be back soon. In fact, talked about it on Tuesday's show with Matt Modica. And we both sort of uh, marveled <laughs> at uh, the twists and turns that this story has taken. But now we've got something a little bit more specific that Darvish may start either Saturday or Sunday for the Cubs and that uh, a decision is supposed to be coming down tomorrow. So uh, I'll be back with yet another U Darvish update, most likely on tomorrow's show. Also, uh, Brandon Morrow is expected to be activated today. That would make it a minimum 10-day stay for him. As you remember, because it is just 10 days ago, Morrow placed on the DL after uh, experiencing back spasms, taking off his pants after a night game, uh, like 3 in the morning, 
So apparently uh, not a serious issue there for Morrow and should be back today. Also back soon, not today, but possibly as soon as this Friday, Ronald Acuna may be activated by the Braves, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So we'll keep our eyes on that, and hopefully uh, there's no setback there for Acuna. There has been a setback, however, for Josh Donaldson. Uh, he was rehabbing in Florida, and according to Sportsnet, he uh, suffered a uh, an acute strain of his left calf while taking ground balls, and it's going to be three weeks before he's even reevaluated. So there's no optimism here. Uh, Josh Donaldson's going to be out for a while, unfortunately, and uh, it's uh, you know, been a frustration, frustrating season for him and for his fantasy owners. Lorenzo Kane going on the disabled list with the left groin strain. Uh, it had been day-to-day for a few days, and the Brewers just decided to go ahead, put him on the DL, and they have called up Keon Broxton to take his place on the uh, 25-man roster. Travis Shaw uh, out again today in that uh, Brewers-Royals game, not in the uh, lineup for them. Uh, so playing third base for the uh for the Royals, or no, I'm sorry, uh, for the Brewers, uh, Aaron Perez, again, he is 0 for 2 in that one. Uh, not a lot of offense, by the way. It is a 0-0 tie after four complete innings there. The good news for Travis Shaw, who's been out with a sore wrist, is he may be back tomorrow. However, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and so they're going to they're going to put the butt statement on this uh, sentence. <laughs> While Shaw could be back tomorrow, if he's not ready by then, then the Brewers may just go ahead and put him on the DL as well. So we'll be watching that uh, today and tomorrow for Travis Shaw. Orioles put uh, Dylan Bundy on the DL with his left ankle sprain. That is expected to be a relatively short stay. Nelson Cruz was a late scratch yesterday against the Orioles, uh, diagnosed with low back tightness, according to The Athletic. Daniel Mengden was placed on the DL with a sprained right foot, and the A's have called Chris Bassett back up to the Bay Area. Uh, Stephen Wright on the DL. This one actually happened right towards the end of yesterday's show. Didn't get it on uh, on the air, so a little late with this one, but Stephen Wright on the DL with knee inflammation. Mike Soraka, uh, he's already on the DL for the second time with uh, shoulder issues, and he has now been moved to the 60-day DL. So this is this is a big deal uh, because he won't be eligible to return until mid-August, may not actually be back until even a little bit later than that. So particularly if you're in uh, a head-to-head league, Probably, I mean, certainly if you have any kind of roster crunch, Soraka would be an obvious candidate to go because he's probably going to miss your ent- entire regular season or almost all, all of the remainder of that. Uh, even in Roto Leagues now, uh, Soraka becomes a lot more droppable. Uh, to take his place on the active roster, the Braves called up Wes Parsons, although I did see a tweet from Dave O'Brien of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that Parsons is just there uh, as insurance in case uh, the Braves need to have somebody to log a whole bunch of innings in middle relief. So my guess is that Parsons is not up for long and probably not a, a candidate to uh, move into the rotation, though he's having a very nice year in the minors. 
Uh, Amir Garrett exited yesterday's uh, Reds game. In the eighth inning, he was uh, hit on his left leg by an Ender NCRT ground ball. Uh, the x-rays came back negative for him. He is listed as day-to-day. And Darren O'Day uh, aggravated a, uh, a, a earlier uh, existing uh hamstring injury he's been placed on the dl by the orioles which really sort of complicates their bullpen situation particularly if oday is out for a while because zach Britton and brad brock are are both uh likely trade candidates i suppose oday could be or at least could have been one too uh he might have stood to to gain some saves i think that probably bumps michael givens up the depth chart a little bit tanner scott's been seeing a little bit of action in the late innings uh, last couple of days. Uh, he may figure a bit more into uh, at least the holds picture, uh, if not the saves picture. And uh, Carlos Carrasco, or I'm sorry, not Carlos Carrasco, Carlos Correa out of the lineup for the Astros. They are playing the Blue Jays right now, as I mentioned before. Uh, that's a game where initially a lot of offense Blue Jays went up 5-0 in the top of the first. Astros rallied for three runs, although they were uh, all unearned off of uh, Marco Estrada due to uh, Luke Maley's catcher interference. But that game now in the top of the fourth inning and still stuck at 5-3, but uh, no Correa in that one. Marwin Gonzalez uh, handling shortstop in that one. He's uh, 0-for-1. And so, yeah, right now that's in the top of the fourth. Uh, Dallas Keuchel going, staying in that game after a really, really rough start to that one. Uh, The other game that's in progress, so we've got that scoreless tie between the Royals and the Brewers. Uh, We've got Blue Jays-Astros, and then we've also got the Reds and Braves right now. This one's wrapping up. Uh, So Rysel Glacius is on to try to record the save, uh, 6-5. Reds bottom of the ninth, and it looks like that one actually just went final. So it looks like uh, Reds six, Braves five, uh, Iglesias with the save in that one. Uh, Luis Castillo, not a very good start, so the bullpen really came through. Uh, Jared Hughes pitching the eighth, uh, and then Iglesias there in the ninth, and, and again, no Amir Garrett in this one. Uh, would guess at least a day or two before we see him uh, back with the Reds for the Braves. This was a Sean Newcomb start, and he actually uh, fared pretty well. Quality start, six innings, three runs, uh, six strikeouts, two walks. Uh, So a pretty good start for Sean Newcomb, but uh, Sam Freeman in relief let him down, uh, giving up three runs in the seventh inning. Uh, So that's... uh, He's going to be uh, saddled with the loss, it looks like, in this one. Uh, In terms of some standout performances, while we're uh, taking a look at that, for the Reds, uh, Jose Peraza with a home run, a solo homer off of Newcomb. And uh, Scooter Jeanette with his 19th double of the year. Peraza also tripled in this one, by the way. So uh, Jeanette, uh, a two-game, a two-hit game for him. Peraza, two, two-hit game. Uh, so uh, that's the deal there with the uh, Reds and Braves. So that one's in the books. And uh, so we got these three early games. Everything else uh, is is going to be for uh, the nighttime slate and going to have Mike Leone on just a little bit to uh, to uh, get us uh, 
acquainted with the the, the nighttime slate and uh, make some recommendations. A lot of interesting pitching matchups uh, in that one. Something also, by the way, to look out for later on. Uh, weather in a few spots. We've got uh, the Pirates and Mets. That's going to be uh, a 7-10 start at City Field. And that's uh, Ivan Nova and Zach Wheeler. So potentially interesting uh, pitching matchup there. Should be fine for game time. 24% chance of precipitation uh, for first pitch, but uh, increasing as the game goes on. So particularly if this one uh, drags on a little bit, uh, maybe uh, you have a delay there. But it doesn't sound like uh, either starter you should worry about there. Um, so not a major one there. And as for the A's and the Tigers, that one's at Comerica Park. 54% chance of precipitation for first pitch. Uh, and that one, but decreasing uh, throughout the evening. So maybe a late start in Detroit, but that one looks like it's okay. And uh, then a couple other games to be wary of on the East Coast. Mariners and Orioles, uh, that one's a Camden Yard, 705 Eastern start. That's going to be Wade LeBlanc and Alex Cobb. Uh, but a 58% chance of precipitation for first pitch on that one and increasing as the night goes on. So probably not much reason to start Cobb anyway. LeBlanc is somebody that I've been uh, touting for the last uh, few weeks. Uh, Last time out did not go very well for him uh, against the Red Sox, but another one here where you you just may want to look for somebody else, whether it's DFS or a daily league. Uh, because of the uh, strong chance of precipitation. And again, increasing as the game goes on. Same deal, just a little bit uh, up the East Coast there in Philadelphia. Citizens Bank Park, 705 start. Yankees, Phillies. And uh, this is one that I am going to ask Mike Leone about. Uh, Luis Sessa and Zach Eflin. And of course, Eflin, a surprising source of strikeouts so far in his initial starts. And, uh, you know, gets Luis Sessa. Yeah, it's certainly, uh, the, you know, the Yankees ought to be favorites there. But uh, at least uh, Eflin's matching up against Sessa. So it could certainly be a tougher matchup for him uh, with a different pitcher going against him. But uh, you still may want to avoid him because uh, just a 24% chance of precipitation uh, for first pitch in Philadelphia. But then again, goes up after that. But I'll get Mike Leone's take on that. Uh, certainly uh, uh, would trust him on these matters. Uh, I'm not a meteorologist and, and also uh, not a DFS guy. So uh, there'll be a good conversation to have with uh, Mike Leone. I uh, do have a little bit of lineup news. I'm going to go through the lineups uh, more comprehensively later on in the show. Uh, we do have a few of the nighttime lineups already out. But uh, just seeing this that Brandon Nimmo is going to be in the Mets lineup tonight. So that's great news. Uh, I've got him in my daily lineup, but was prepared to yank him out if he was in the lineup. Uh, don't have to do that. And also, uh, JT Real Muto back for the Marlins. So didn't look like that was going to be a long uh, time for Real Muto to be out. A uh, couple other news items just to, to catch you up on. This was actually pretty important that uh, the Angels, uh, particularly the Angels GM, Billy Upler, uh, said in a radio interview that he thinks that Shohei Otani could uh, return as a hitter regardless of the uh, of the outcome of uh, Otani's PRP injections. 
So that's uh, pretty good news. Uh, you know, doesn't does not necessarily mean that we'll see Otani pitching again anytime soon, but maybe we'll uh, get to see him at the plate. So uh, some some pretty good news there uh, for Shohei Otani. And final note here before we uh, head to the first break here. Jason Worth has retired, according to John Heyman of FanCred Sports. Uh, that's right. I, that's not a you know me misspelling it. That's uh, uh, where John's writing now. FanCred Sports. Uh, Jason Worth has retired. So on that note, uh, we're gonna head to break, and when we come back on the other side of it, Mike Leone from DailyRoto.com gonna be here. We will break down a very interesting nighttime slate for you. So don't go anywhere. Mike Leone and I are going to be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and there is no one like Mike Leone to talk about DFS. Well, except for maybe Drew Dinkmeyer. Uh, this week, we got Mike Leone on. We're going to uh, bring Mike on in just a minute here. Uh, but spe- speaking of uh, DailyRoto.com, got a uh, message from them here and from DKMS. Uh, who wants to go to a 2018 World Series game? Well, tune in to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network between July 8th and July 17th as we'll be playing the DKMS Trivia Challenge for your shot to call in with the chance to attend the Fall Classic in person. And I got to tell you, I've been there. That's the best way to see it. The number to play is 844-843-6879 or alternatively, that's 844-843-FNTSY. The contest is sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. While 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families, 70% or nearly 14,000 people each year must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. So find out how you can help the cause and go to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. That's dailyroto.com slash DKMS. It's the DKMS Trivia Challenge, July 8th through July 17th. Call in and win. And calling in with us now from DailyRoto.com, Mike Leone. Mike, uh, thanks so much for uh, joining us yet again uh, to talk some DFS. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Al. Always my pleasure. And uh, I will uh, encourage people, as I do, I think pretty much every time you're on, to go check out your Twitter feed at uh, two hats, one mic. Did I get that right? You got it right. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Pretty memorable. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So, yeah, that's bad if I'm messing that up. So, uh, <laughs> two hats, one might go check them out on Twitter. Uh, check them out at dailyroad.com. And uh, so, yeah, we've got the, the three games uh, going on. Actually, one game that just finished, two uh, ongoing. Everything else happening after 7 Eastern tonight. So, a nice big slate for us to look at. Uh, good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, which pitcher uh, would you want to start tonight out of the slate? It- yeah, it's an interesting slate at the starting pitcher spot because I feel like we don't have a clear elite ST1, but we do have a handful of guys that are in pretty good spots or have decent skill sets. So you can go a few different ways, but the guy that we like the most is Kyle Gibson going up against the Chicago White Sox. Gibson's pretty tough on right-handed batters, and that White Sox lineup has been throwing out six or seven right-handed batters, so it's really good for the opposing right-handed pitcher to hold the platoon edge over so many of their batters. And we've seen Gibson dial up the strikeout rate this year. It's a little bit above 23%. He's never in any other season in his career got to 18%. So that's really increasing his DFS value. It's backed up by a career best swinging strike rate as well. And someone that always keeps the ball on the ground and that hasn't really suffered in the transition to him striking out more batters. So he's the guy we like the most, even though, the implied run total against for him is 4.2. It's a little bit higher than some of the other pitchers, so you might get some more risk on the run prevention standpoint, but the combination of his salary and the projected strikeouts uh, make him our favorite target on both sides. Wow. You know, I, I looked at this slate. I had absolutely no idea how you were going to answer that. <laughs> but I, but yeah, I certainly did. Lot, I, I mean, there's, but I, yeah, I think there's, you could have given a lot of five. viable guys. There really are, and I think you could have given me five guesses, though, and I would not have guessed Kyle Gibson. And I actually want to address part of your your explanation for going with him is the increase in strikeouts because actually month by month it's been going down. So my question for you, and I mean I think you, you maybe tipped your hand into terms uh, in terms of how you're going to answer this, but is this regression to the mean? Is this randomness, or is this maybe an artifact of the schedule? that uh, over his last four starts, Gibson has faced uh, teams that uh, typically are really hard to pile up strikeouts against. Yeah, he's faced Cleveland twice. He's faced Boston once. He's faced the Angels once. So it hasn't been a great schedule for him. And if you look at the strikeout percentages by team versus right-handed pitching, uh, you've got the Red Sox that are, you know, dead last in strikeout rate in terms of they have the lowest strikeout rate against right-handed pitching. Uh, the Angels are 27th. Cleveland is 18th. So they've been all unfavorable matchups. So I'm not too worried about the fact that the strikeout rate has dropped by month. I think, as you alluded to, that's mostly schedule-related. The overall metrics for him look good in that regard. And, you know, he did have, if you even zoom out a bit further and break down the current season to two halves. Uh, The trend is somewhat downward, but the point is he's still striking out a lot more batters than he has in the past. And this is still a White Sox lineup that because they're so heavily right-handed, it plays into his strength. So um, it's always good to look at the recent data, but I think there's some reasons in this case to not have that concern you too much. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, like I, you know, I said, I certainly noticed that the schedule has worked against him. Um, you know, any one of maybe half a dozen pitchers uh, would make as much sense to me as any other. So, uh, the fact that you like Kyle Gibson, that uh, I think that speaks a lot. Uh, we have a couple of potentially really good pitchers duels, and so I would have to think that each of these pitchers involved probably lose some appeal just 
because of, of the matchup. But you've got Andrew Heaney going up against Rick Porcello, and then you've got Jack Flaherty versus Shane Bieber. Uh, is there any reason and any sort of, of game or format to go with any of them, given the level of competition? I think on FanDuel, you could make a case for Bieber just because his price tag really hasn't risen that high with his production. And Drew and I, who did the podcast for the premium content on Daily Roto today, were discussing him. It's difficult to know where to set his baseline because he doesn't have like these awe-inspiring scouting reports. Um, but he did strike out 26% of batters at AAA, and it's been at 29% over three starts. So depending on what you think, you know, generally we would expect the strikeout rate to drop a little bit from the AAA numbers. But uh, if you think there's something legitimate there where it's increased, you do get him in a good pitcher's park in a spot where he's not going to have to face a DH playing in an NL park. So I think there's some good reasoning behind Bieber, who a strikeout rate aside is someone that does a pretty good job of keeping the ball on the ground and really limiting walks. But as you said, uh, it is a game that's going to be tightly contested. He's plus 100 right now, so like a really slight dog when you take the juice out of it. And um, the win probability for him as a result isn't as high as a handful of other pitchers on the slate. Okay, okay. Well, we got Robbie Ray making his return from the DL, going up the mar- going against the Marlins uh, at Miami. Uh, at Miami, but actually, you know, either venue would be favorable for him. Uh, how do you approach generally? Uh, a pitcher coming off the DL because uh, again, g- you know, given the options here, I would think there'd be an argument for going with Ray. Obviously that's, that's not your call. Uh, so how much is his just coming off the DL influencing you going against him? I'm not super concerned about the production from a rate standpoint, so to speak. And then sometimes you can look at just the numbers and rehab starts and whatnot to try and get a handle on, you know, oh, this looked pretty ugly, or they looked okay. And the fact that they skipped a rehab start, um, they were going to have one more and didn't, that, to me, is a good thing from a confidence perspective that they feel he's healthy. The concern, though, with that is how deep is he going to pitch into the game? And that's where you start running the math, and you look at his salary, and you say, okay, is he going to do enough to pay off that price tag? He had uh, his last rehab start. He didn't complete a full five innings. He got pulled in the fifth finished at 66 pitches I said they're having him not do one more rehab start which they originally planned to do so the concern there is just that he's not going to pitch that deep and we have in our projections some customizable fields and one of them is a baseline batter space and outs for a pitcher so we've set that down for Ray and with his price being up there because he is a pretty good pitcher it just looks like he's overpriced especially on DraftKings where he's up at 10k now, on FanDuel and tournaments, if you wanted to take a chance, let's say nobody's going to play Ray because they're all worried about him coming off the DL, there's a chance that with his high K rate that, yeah, maybe he only goes five innings, but does he strike out seven, eight, nine batters? That's certainly within the range of outcomes for him and the price tag there. Um, you have legitimate upside, whereas on DK, it's a little bit tougher to find that. So I think on FanDuel, you could mix him into tournaments, but he's not a primary play anywhere. The reason is the duration concerns. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. You know, great point with him not making that rehab start. Um, so that that is a little bit scary when you put it in that light. Uh, now, if I had you had given me five chances to uh, guess who you would uh, favor tonight uh, in, in the pitching slot, I probably would have started that with Mass and Bumgarner. Uh, now he's coming off of a really good start, eight scoreless innings uh, against the Padres, though. So you do have a a matchup uh, explanation there, but the Rockies. Uh, on the road, particularly at AT&T, 
strikes me as another good matchup. So uh, why not Bumgarner instead of uh, Kyle Gibson? A lot of it comes down to price tag. You know, he's $1,500 more than Kyle Gibson on FanDuel. On DraftKings, he's demonstrably more. He's at $11,200, and Gibson's only at $8,500. So we do actually have Bumgarner projected, projected slightly ahead of Gibson from a raw total standpoint. Mm. But the gap in projection isn't wide enough to make up for the gap in price tag. And the reason for that is, when you look at this matchup, yes, it's a very negative park shift for the Rockies' offense. And you can see that in the implied run total for their offense. It's only 3.2 runs, which is the lowest on the slate. So Bumgarner looks really safe from a run prevention standpoint. It was very nice to see him in his last outing, um, not just have him pitch really well, but pitch that deep into a game. And, you know, faced 29 batters, completed a full eight innings. But the Rockies against left-handed pitching actually are, are pretty good. You know, they have, they rate so far statistically this season in that split as a matchup for left-handed pitchers that's going to decrease their strikeout rate and also uh, hurt their run prevention. They're above average in weighted runs creative plus against left-handed pitching. When you get them against right-handed pitching on the road, they're horrendous. Uh, but versus lefties, um, just given the complexion of that lineup with LeMahieu, Arenado, Trevor Story, and Blackman can still hit both sides of the plate pretty well. Um, that's the concern, and you couple that with the fact that Bumgarner just hasn't missed a lot of bats, especially right-handed bats. He's only struck out 14.6% of them so far this season. Even last year, he didn't miss a whole bunch of them. And if we were paying this big price tag, we'd just like to see that strikeout rate a lot higher. The one caveat Al, I will give on this slate is there are a lot of value hitters. So if you wanted to just take the safety of Bumgarner, even though it's a less profitable play in your cash games, I would understand that decision. Um, I'm more of a risk taker, and I like trying to eke out all the value I can, which is why I'll go to Gibson. Well, do you think there's value maybe on going the other side and, and go go Kyle Freeland? So my concern with Freeland is just the projected strikeout rates. I know great park shift for him, but we're projecting him for under – five strikeouts and this is a slate where you know some guys we didn't even hit on Zach Eflin for example in that mid-tier um yeah he has a projected strikeouts of six on this slate and I just don't see the risk reward in a great spot for and again because he's had a season where he's outpitched expectations at least from my perspective he has uh, the price tag you know it's just not great on either side it's eighty three hundred dollars on DraftKings is the same price as you're getting Kyle Gibson. It's much more expensive than Zach Eflin. Uh, it's much more expensive than someone like Zach Wheeler, who's incredibly cheap. So um, that's one of the big things on these slates where we have, as you said, you, you weren't sure who I was going to say was my favorite starting pitcher. Uh, and a lot of that comes back to price tag. It's so important when you do have a handful of viable guys, but not like this one not matchup where it's an elite pitcher and then a super, super good park versus a super, super good matchup. We just don't have that on that on this slate. You know, we don't have it on the offensive side either. So it's a really interesting slate where you can go a few different directions, both pitching and offensively. Right. Well, so, and I do want to get to the offensive side. You mentioned Eflin. I just want to um, ask about him quickly, maybe one other pitcher, uh, but Eflin's got the Yankees. Uh, Yankees are sending Luis Sessa to the mound. So, you know, Eflin, like you said, uh, cheaper than some of your other options, uh, surprisingly getting the strikeouts. Uh, is there a win potential here with him going uh, up against Sessa or is it just that the, you know, pitcher versus hitter matchup here is, is too scary to make it worth, uh, worth the gamble. I, you know, the, I don't think you're taking him for the win potential. 
Um, they're, they're an underdog, and he doesn't pitch that deep into games. So we do have him with you know, one of the lower win probabilities of pitchers on this slate. But uh, when you start looking at the win probabilities of pitchers, like we've got him with a 27% chance to record a win, you know, according to our algorithm. Uh, and some of the higher-end guys are at a 40% chance. So that's that's a 12 percentage point difference. You multiply that times, you know, the four points you're going to get for a win on DraftKings, and it's just not that big of a difference. So we do care about it, but it's not going to drive your decision-making. The reason you're going to use Eflin are those strikeouts that you mentioned. His velocity's been up this season 1.6 miles per hour faster on his fastball on average than it was last season we see that in a swinging strike rate we see it in the k rate the yankees will swing and miss against right-handed pitching you know judge stannon as good as they are and they don't get the dh they don't have gary sanchez so there's some reasons that you can see Eflin having sort of the ceiling game and it comes back to you just hope he does runs hot in terms of the run prevention because if he does the strikeouts can be there all right well let's get to the hitters so you said there's a lot of bargain hitters uh who are the best bargains for tonight our favorite bargain tonight is Logan Morrison for the Twins. He's going to face James Shields. Shields is a lot of 345 weighted on base average and a 222 ISO to left-handed batter since 2017. And we've got Morrison with a pretty favorable power split versus right-handed pitching. It's also a big park shift in Chicago. So uh, he's our favorite value play. He's pretty. He's really cheap on FanDuel, but he's pretty affordable on DraftKings as well. All right, and any uh, like I said, the, well, as you underscored as well, uh, number of not so desirable pitchers on the slate. So, are there some good uh, stack uh, potential, stacking potential for tonight? Yeah, it's an interesting slate where some of our top stacks are stacks that you don't generally envision as like your tier one top stack. So, Morrison and the Twins are up there, but a lot of teams we have going into more favorable parks and. We obviously like the park shift in going into good hitting environments, but the other advantage of being on the road is you get a guaranteed nine innings. I've run a lot of data on this. It sounds like a little thing, but uh, over time, you do see a lot more plate appearances, and the biggest thing for hitters is the number of opportunities. something that goes overlooked. So uh, teams like the Twins, Athletics, Padres, these are teams that are going to parks that are a lot better for hitting than their home parks. They're on the road and they're facing below average starting pitchers. So, and because they're generally in better pitching environments and hitting environments, the price tags are all pretty affordable on some of the names in this lineup. Will Myers, for example, for the Padres, just $2,800 on FanDuel. That's incredibly cheap for someone with his upside in such a good park in Texas. Wow, I did not see that coming, really, with the Padres. I have to admit, but you're right; it's a it's a good yeah, it's, uh, environment. Um, Mike Miner's been better, but I actually wrote about this the other day. The peripherals uh, are really haven't improved for him, so that's that's an interesting call. Yeah, they they haven't. Like his ex bowl was really high, even though the he's been getting away with it. And again, it's just uh, a tightly clustered slate. Like you've got the Yankees and Red Sox, which are big time offenses, but. Uh, Andrew Haney against the Red Sox. He's pitched really well this season. Uh, the Yankees are in an NL park. They lose the DH. So uh, it, it is a very interesting fight. A lot of different ways you can go. Well, it is. And, uh, in fact, so interesting that we, uh, we've we already run out of time. So, uh, Mike <laughs> Leone, DailyRoto.com, thank you so much for joining me. and looking forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks, Al. Good luck in your game tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. Likewise, same to you. So we'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? 
or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, once again, I'd like to thank Mike Leone from DailyRoto.com for uh, spending that last segment with us. Learn not just something, but multiple things every time that uh, Mike joins us on the show. So uh, looking forward to his next visit, which should be uh, next Wednesday. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of lineups in actually, uh, a handful that actually just came in like within the last minute. Uh, so we've got a little catching up to do there. We'll go uh, and catch up on yesterday's standup performances as well. Uh, but, uh, before we do any of that, uh, just a quick message here from mybookie.ag that if you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports, but you're sick of dealing with the professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, Try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget having to create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches, and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. So no more dealing with late lineup scratches, no experts to compete against, it's just you and the prop that you choose. So go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY upon sign-up, and choose your matchups using the Props Builder tool. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. Let's look at some lineups, shall we? Uh, We've got Yankees and the Phillies. Uh, Again, that's Sessa and Eflin. And uh, the uh, outfield alignment this time leaves out Nick Williams. You've got Aaron Altair playing right field and batting fifth. Uh, we have the Mariners and Orioles. Again, the weather for that one looks pretty bad. Um, but um, nothing. Uh, we have no Mariners lineup at all yet anyway. And uh, nothing to mention there in the Orioles lineup. We've got the uh, Valencia in right field. Beckham at third. Uh, alignment that we saw yesterday. Uh, then we've got the Diamondbacks versus the Marlins in Miami, Robbie Ray and Wei and Chen, couple lefties. No Diamondbacks lineup yet, but we've got the Marlins lineup, as I mentioned earlier in the show. JT Romuto's back. However, what I did not mention is that he is back playing first base, batting third. So no Justin Bohr for the Marlins against uh the Southpaw uh Robbie Ray. You got the uh the usual uh lineup there against lefties with Yadio Rivera in there and, uh, and and no Justin Bohr. We have uh, Angels Red Sox, both of those lineups in right now. And for uh, the Red Sox, um, Jackie Bradley getting another start after uh, a big game, uh, batting ninth in center field. Yeah, nothing really unusual there for either team. Uh, athletics and Tigers, that's um, Chris Bassett and Mike Fires. Bassett just called up uh, to take the spot of Daniel Mengden, who went on the DL. And uh, for the A's, 
Josh Fegley catching and batting ninth. Franklin Barreto staying in the lineup. Chad Pinder uh, against a righty, batting seventh, playing second base. Um, Barreto shortstop. So there you go. Uh, the Tigers against Bassett. Nothing to see there. Usual lineup for them. And the only other lineup that uh, that we've got here is uh, Pirates-Mets. we got the Mets lineup. This is going to be Nova and Wheeler. And I did mention earlier in the show, Brandon Nimmo's back. He's leading off. He's in center field. And uh, that's uh, pretty much what you need to know there about the, uh, the Mets lineup. So took care of you there. Just got to check in on the other lineups, keep tabs on the weather. You'll be good to go for your uh, daily lineups tonight. Uh, All right. Well, let's uh, move uh, backwards rather than forwards and take a look at uh, Tuesday's standout performers. And it's a lot of hot players staying hot. Matt Carpenter uh, somehow finding an even higher gear with a five for five game against the Indians. Two homers and a double. So he's now up to 15 homers and 22 doubles on the year. So uh, quite a turnaround for uh, for Carpenter. Uh, Javi Baez almost matching him, a two-homer game for him and a double for him, but a mere four for five uh, against the Dodgers. Baez now up to 16 homers and 16 doubles, starting to get some uh, all-star uh, mentions and, and, and certainly well-deserved, uh, having a, a breakout season. And, of course, he's... Uh, you know, all along, been a, a, a defensive standout. And uh, Alex Bregman, uh, another good game for him uh, with his 13th homer and a three doubles against the Toronto Blue Jays. So he's uh, hit 13 homers now and 24 doubles. Uh, Bregman turned it on. Uh, and Jed Lowry with a four-hit game, including his 13th home run of the season at Detroit. And for Lowry, uh, the power's been pretty consistent for him. Uh, a little bit of a of a downturn in May, but in June, really right back uh, power-wise to where he was in April. But he has certainly regressed in terms of BABIP. And that shouldn't have really been a surprise because Lowry, over the bulk of his career, he's been a fly ball hitter. He's been somebody who has sacrificed batting average a bit for a little bit more power. Uh, so, again, the power's been consistent there. We have seen the batting average regress some. Uh, but, again, bumped it up a little bit there with a 4-for-4 four four game uh, on Tuesday. And Ian Desmond, uh, going back to uh, the players who have uh, been been hot of late, uh, Ian Desmond with his 16th homer and his ninth, ninth double and doing that at AT&T Park. Uh, so that unto itself is an encouraging thing to see for Ian Desmond. I also just, you know, anytime I see a ratio like that where a player's got almost twice as many home runs as doubles, uh, that's fun to see. But Desmond, not your your typical hitter with the, that sort of profile. Uh, usually see that from uh, from fly ball hitters. And Desmond, with, with all the power he's been showing lately, his ground ball rate is still clocking in at 62%. And also pretty incredible. I mean, he's always been a guy to use the whole field. And his pull rate as of right now is the lowest of his career. Just under 31% for Desmond. Uh, But, you know, in spite of those things, uh, you know, things that would certainly, you would think, 
uh, work against Desmond's ability to hit for power, you know, even at Coors Field. Um, he's been he's been getting it done, and then the batting average is just, you know, back up this month. Um, you know, after a very protracted slump in terms of uh, of batting average, he's hitting 274 in the month of June. Uh, now he's certainly getting a lot of a lot of BABIP help, but it, it, you know you you can uh, certainly expect some of that as a member of the Rockies, and it's not like it's you know outrageous. I mean, he's got a 317 BABIP in the month of June. He's also walking like crazy. Got a 19% walk rate. So his slash line for June mentioned the 274 batting average, 418 on base percentage, 575 slugging so i know that desmond's out there in some of the shower leagues and i think maybe some owners have been a little reluctant to come around uh maybe some are are just looking at the year-to-date numbers which are still suffering under the weight of that terrible start uh he's only batting 217 he's getting on base at only a 299 pace but you look at what he's done this month and the fact that the power has been coming, uh, you know, more than just uh, uh, the past four weeks or so. And there's a lot to recommend owning and starting Ian Desmond just about everywhere right now. So uh, a lot of good signs for him. Also a lot of good signs for Michael Conforto. He's not quite hot to the same degree as Ian Desmond, uh, or at least not doing it quite for as as long of a period. Uh, But actually his slash line, over the last couple of weeks, not not that different from Desmond. Uh, so not you know really doing it for a full month. But uh, on Tuesday, Conforto hit his tenth home run of the season against the Pirates, and so now for his last fourteen games combined, uh, he has a, a slash line of three hundred six, four thirty five, five seventy one. So similar to Desmond, uh, Conforto is out there in some deeper formats. And should not be. <laughs> so uh, pick him up if you can. And one more hitter that I just want to mention here. And that's Christian Yelich. He's hit home runs in back-to-back games. I mean, that alone probably would suffice to get him into the notes for the show. Uh, two-hit game against the Royals, including his 11th home run of the year. But one of my, I, you know what, I, I was going to say, one of my bold predictions. I don't know. I actually don't think I included this among my bold predictions. Because I think at the time, I didn't think it was that bold. But in retrospect, thinking that Christian Yelich was going to hit 25 home runs just on the basis of moving from Marlins Park to Miller Park, um, you know, particularly a little bit earlier in the season when Yelich was way behind that pace, that was starting to look like a, a bolder prediction than I thought. It was a prediction that I made. Again, I just don't know that I included it in a bold predictions column. But he's, uh, at this point, not really far off that 25-homer pace now that he's up to 11 um, and and trending in the right direction. So I do think that there is something to be said for Christian Yelich being a little bit more of a power hitter and being a little bit more valuable just in general in fantasy, uh, being with, with the Brewers, um, you know, not only having that great venue, but... You know, having a, a good lineup uh, to to be uh, hitting in the midst of. Um, he has scored 52 runs uh, in just 66 games, uh, Yelich. And 
batting 291 with a 366 on base percentage, which are, you know, just right in his wheelhouse, you know, practically carbon copies of his uh, of his career numbers, uh, in spite of the fact that Yelich is uh, striking out at his highest rate since his rookie year, 22.6%. So there's uh, some potential there for a little bit of improvement even in the batting average, a little bit of uh, positive regression in terms of strikeout rate. And he's also got 10 steals. So pretty much on course for a 2020 season. And again, I think there's a little bit more home run upside than what we've already seen from Yelich. Now, remember, in, in 2016, as a Marlin, he had 21 home runs. So 25 is not. That's why I think it was. I didn't feel like it was a bold prediction. I think he can he can still get there. Uh, now, sticking with the Brewers, but moving over to the pitching side, what a performance from Pre- Freddie Peralta. Against the Royals. Um, so this would look to be a very good matchup for Peralta, who um, has had some walk issues in the minors and in, um, uh, you know, a little bit. Uh, now he's only, you know, he's only made a handful of starts. But the start that I witnessed in person uh, last month against the Twins, uh, Peralta walked a bunch bunch of hitters. Uh, I think it was like four walks in less than four innings. And that was not shocking given his minor league track record, but he walked just one Royal on Tuesday, struck out 10 and pitched seven scoreless innings along the way. They're just giving up one hit. So just a, a, a dominant performance from Freddie Peralta. And so now that's two starts since getting recalled and reinserted into the Brewers rotation. And in those two starts, Peralta's pitched 13 innings has struck out 17 batters and just has one walk. That's incredible. And he's been able to achieve that, not because he's become some kind of uh, control maven (laughs) in those two starts, but because he's getting uh, chases on pitches out of the zone at a 40% rate. And just in case that's not a, a, there's the benchmark is something you're not familiar with. uh, 30% or so is a pretty normal rate. And in these two starts, um, both collectively and individually, Peralta has been just a little bit above 40%. So very, very deceptive. Matchups, I think, do matter here. The Royals, one of the least selective teams in the majors. Like I said, if, if there were going to be a game where you would see a 10-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio, the Royals would, would present that kind of opportunity. But his last start was against the Pirates. They're not nearly as aggressive, but they certainly are more aggressive than your typical uh, major league team. So um, just to temper expectations a bit for Freddie Peralta, not to say that maybe this isn't a new level for him, but also just to realize that there there is an alternative explanation here. I, I think he's going to be great for strikeouts. It would not surprise me, though, to see him ha- uh, have some starts down the line where maybe a high walk count rears its ugly head again. Um, we did not have a high walk count for Charlie Morton. Just two free passes and seven innings against the Blue Jays. 13 strikeouts, no runs on four hits. Uh, great start for Morton, and I don't know that there's anything I can tell you about Charlie Morton at this point that he hasn't already said for himself uh, with his pitching this season. Uh, Nate Evaldi with another great start. So this is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, Came back from Tommy John. First start, totally dominant, and then not as impressive since. But then uh, sandwiching those starts in the middle, 
with a great start against the Nationals on Tuesday. Six scoreless innings, just one hit, two uh, walks, and nine strikeouts for Evaldi. And kind of an interesting uh, set of stats for him. All combined uh, in his starts this year, a 4.08 ERA, so capturing the good and the bad. But his whip is just 0.82. And the BABIP, you probably won't be surprised to find that it's lower than average. But, I mean, it's way lower than average, 178 BABIP. So uh, as impressive as Evaldi has looked in a couple of these starts, um, he's just not supporting that no matter what, (laughs) what he does. Now, Steven Matz, on the other hand... Might You might be skeptical of what he's done, but maybe you shouldn't be. Uh, now, a uh, quality start against the Pirates, seven innings, three runs on six hits, no walks, seven strikeouts. Uh, on the year now, he's got a 266 BABIP, but his expected BABIP is only 269. So practically a, a perfect match there, getting a lot of really weak ground ball contact. Um, according to Xstats, his dribbler rate, the, the, the weakest of weak ground balls, that his dribble rate is 32%, which is like a third higher than the major league average. So Matt's just getting a lot of soft contact. Derek Holland, another good start for him uh, at home against the Rockies. We talked about that being uh, a good matchup. Uh, so six and two thirds, one run on six hits and two walks with eight Ks. Holland's been getting the strikeouts uh, this month. Month of June, a 270 ERA, 31 Ks in 26 and two-thirds innings, and a 13% swinging strike rate. Um, real quick here, because we're just about done, Carlos Martinez and Corey Kluber squared off, and it went pretty much the opposite way you might have thought, where Kluber left in the second inning, one and two-thirds, gave up six runs, while uh, Martinez reassuring us with his best start in a long time, uh, two runs in six innings with eight Ks. So... There you have it. Thank you so much for joining me. Looking forward to tomorrow's show. Uh, We'll be back here, same time, same station. So enjoy some nighttime baseball, everybody, and have a good one.